And today, I'm sure uh, the premier is going to have uh, some certain words for public health when he talks about the fact that the CBC exposed uh, that there were 700 uh, positive cases that weren't reported to uh, public health. And I'm talking about COVID cases. It's a huge bungle. As far as our contact tracing goes, uh, these positive tests were completed as far back as April. And the bulk of the tests involve people living in Toronto, Peel, and York region. Uh, interestingly enough, Toronto and Peel have three quarters of the province's cases. So the tests were conducted by the William Osler Health System, which has the hospital sites in Etobicoke and Brampton, as well as the drive through COVID-19 assessment center. We were talking to them, in fact, Earlier on in the week or uh, late last week, who knows, the days roll into each other here uh, during this pandemic. But we were talking to them about the wait times when the premier announced everybody that wants to get a test can get a test. Well, that's all great unless you're not finding out that you've tested positive. And, you know, we're still getting information out here and it's kind of sketchy. Did the people, the 700 people that tested positive, were they told you're positive and public health just didn't know so they couldn't ask them who they'd come in contact with? We still don't know. So there's probably the government's going to address this further because um, the test samples were processed by the laboratory at Mount Sinai Hospital in downtown Toronto. And they thought that William Osler, who were actually responsible for reporting the uh, cases to public health, were going to do it. And William Osler thought it was the responsibility of the lab, Mount Sinai Hospital's lab, to report it to public health. So you can see, big problem, going to be a fun presser with the premier. This afternoon, Trudeau is currently speaking out in Ottawa. He is talking about the government trying to procure PPE because that's still a problem. Wow. All right. We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to maybe think of something out of the box, like using social media to predict disease outbreaks when it comes to viruses like COVID. Chris Bow is professor and a university research chair in the Department of Applied mathematics at waterloo and funnily enough he's working on just that chris welcome to the show hi kelly thanks for being here so uh tell us how social media could be used to uh predict outbreaks of viruses like covid well the way we can use it is by uh, checking for information about uh, people's opinions and sentiments either towards some disease or maybe towards some intervention like vaccines uh, and by trying to monitor that, we can often, you know, get data uh, in real time really quickly about what people are thinking and, and how they're acting towards uh, towards a disease like measles or, or, or COVID, for example. So you're, you're, would that not be difficult? You're basically interloping, following social media uh, tweets or posts to find out who is maybe feeling more casual about social distancing and the like? Yeah, yeah that's the idea, yeah. Um, so, um, and, and of course, all this data is publicly available, so uh, uh, it's there uh, for you to analyze if, if you want to. Uh, and you do have to move pretty quickly because uh, you're, you're getting this information as it's unfolding. But it's actually an improvement uh, in some ways on other sources of information like case reports. And as you've just been discussing, in case reports, there's, there's a big lag time in between when the person gets uh, tested and when they get their results back and then again when it gets reported to the province uh, uh, and apparently there can even be missing cases so 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 the strengths of one data source complement the weaknesses of, of another 
So you're depending on people to basically out themselves and say, I'm not taking this seriously enough so that you could pinpoint based on social media posts where the next outbreak could occur. Yeah, it's, it's more of a population perspective. So we're not interested in, in like finding individual people and saying, hi, I got you. And we, we pr- can't even do that because not everyone reports their, their Twitter handle, right? That They don't use their real name. We're more interested in looking at the population level and looking for certain hotspots of activity uh, where perhaps uh, people are um, expressing a negative sentiment towards physical distancing uh, or a negative sentiment towards the vaccine, which was actually the goal of our uh, current study. It, It was developed for COVID. Okay, well, how tricky is that? Because A, you're going to have to monitor a lot of posts at once. Uh, and B, you know, like you said, some people use an alias on, on social media. How do you find out where they are so that you can indicate the hotspots? Because presumably, I go on my social media, I don't really necessarily know where people are located. Yeah, so so some people have uh, geolocated tweet turned on, so you know their, their, their latitude and longitude coordinates. Other people put uh, information into their user field, like they say, I'm, I'm from Timmins, Ontario. Uh, and we use information uh, on the geocoded tweets or, or the ones with user information in, in the location field to figure out where people are. Uh, and so uh, it, it doesn't really rely on knowing exactly, uh, you know, who is doing what. We're more interested in, like, you know, population level percentages. So what is the percentage of people in, in say, the, the Timmins area or the Toronto area who feel this way towards the vaccine? And the other thing that we're doing is we're actually using some important uh, insights from mathematics. Uh, so, so that's the real novelty of the research. Now, now the way that this is usually done is, is people simply track opinion over time. They might do a survey uh, or they might look at social media and they might say, okay, look, there's more people who are, um, uh, who are disliking the vaccine over time, so we might be in trouble. We're actually looking, exploiting a, a very specific uh, feature of how systems behave near a tipping point. You know, so, for example, imagine you're spinning a top, right? The top spinning, spinning, spinning before it tips over, it has this very slight wobble to it. Uh, and if you're looking closely, you can see that that slight wobble, maybe it writes itself again and then it wobbles some more. So, so that turns out to be a pretty universal feature of systems that have tipping points. And that ranges from, uh, from freezing of ice to social changes to um, uh, the climate tipping points. They all do this kind of wobble. And so we're, we're also looking for this wobble in the, in the media data to give us an even more advanced warning than would otherwise be possible. What inspired you to start working on this? I think it was the, you know, it was the vaccine scares against pediatric infections that started, well, you know, they've been going on for a long time, but we've had about especially in, in the late 90s. And then, and then again, the Disneyland measles outbreak, you might remember from 2014, 15 uh, that was due to vaccine hesitancy and refusal. So uh, it really concerned me that, uh, you know, society was, was turning its, uh, or some people were turning their backs on, on these vaccines that have prevented so much uh, death and suffering over the years. And I wanted to um, uh, try to do something about that. So originally, this um, idea of tracking anti-vaxxers, anti-vax sentiments, uh, on social media was about things like uh, the outbreaks of, of measles cases, which we at one point in time thought we'd uh, got under control, if not eradicated in North America. That's right, yeah. And instead we have a situation where measles is kind of simmering at a low boil, jumping from spot to spot because our vaccine coverage is just not high enough. Um, 
And uh, but I think, you know, we we have the possibility to completely eliminate measles from the planet. And, you know, and if we can do that, then we can stop vaccinating. But we all have to get our act together and stamp out those last few hotspots. Uh, and if we can do that, then both measles, measles is gone and and we don't even have to worry about vaccinating anymore necessarily. So, um, uh, so you know, that's kind of the motivation. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, I would like to try to help solve that problem. Now, COVID is an interesting case. You know, we haven't applied our techniques to COVID yet. You know, it's moving very quickly, and, and we're doing other types of modeling in response to COVID right now. But you could also do these types of things in principle, although we haven't studied the, the specific case of COVID. Okay, so basically the COVID would be maybe you'd use this uh, social media tracking to, to look for outbreaks, uh, future outbreaks uh, in with diseases like COVID when we, fingers crossed, get a vaccine. And there's some groups of people that say, I don't feel very good about the idea of, uh, you know, uh, using this new vaccine. You would be monitoring social media to find out where they'd be. So then public health could go in. You could pinpoint it. Public health could go in and try and explain to people why it is a good idea to get vaccinated. Exactly. Yeah. So those are the people, uh, you know, you got to build trust. It's, it's not only about information transfer or, or teaching. It's also about trust building. Right. So you have to build trust with people uh, to accept vaccines. Um, and even for physical distancing, I think this could apply because you could you could look for areas where physical distancing, maybe the sentiment turning sour. And if that's happening, then, you know, you'll probably be more likely to have an outbreak down the road. And you can say, you know, hey, public health, ICUs, um, you know, there seems to be a, a downturn in opinion towards physical distancing in this area. Maybe you should um, be on your toes. So you're still in the developmental stage of uh, using uh, social media and, and mathematics to pinpoint a possible outbreak in uh, different viruses in different locations. Um, where do you hope that this will eventually lead this research? Well, my dream for what we could have as an end product is is uh, like a website that uh, you know downloads and analyzes tweets in real time, and then you could have almost like a map showing well, you know. These are areas where sentiment is, is like this or like that. Uh, and, and then public health can use that to figure out, okay, well, where are we having current issues with, with um, uh, physical distancing or, or sentiment towards the vaccine that might translate into you know, problems downstream? And those populations can be prioritized for, for you know, trust building, communication efforts, et cetera. You know, I, you know what amazes me is how many mathematicians are involved, you know, in this fight against COVID-19. It's not something I anticipated when we first uh, entered into this pandemic. And it's, it's quite interesting to see. It is, you know, and, I, you know, I've been doing this for 23 years. Uh, I was doing this in SARS and there were maybe five to 10 people in the country doing the modeling. And, and I was working with two two of them in the same room um, and, uh um, and yet with this COVID pandemic, it's someone uh, has described it as an epidemic of models. There's so many people working on it now. Um, and it, it, it surprised me as well, actually. I expected mm-hmm. my colleagues to pick it up who've been doing this for years. I didn't expect um, there to be so much interest from other people who are normally doing other things, studying other problems. Uh, and now they're turning their attention to COVID. Chris, I always found it hard in school to wrap my head around math unless it was um, associated with something like chemistry 
And um, go figure, this is a way to get kids that have that mental block also interested in mathematics from a different point of view. Keep up the good work. I think it's really interesting. Th this modeling is going to spur a lot of uh, interest in, in mathematics, I think, uh, in the future. Thanks so much. I hope so, too. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Cheers. Chris Bao is professor and a university research chair in the Department of Applied Mathematics at Waterloo University, talking about how they're possibly using social media and they're trying to perfect it in order to predict disease outbreaks. We're, we're giving away the data for free. Why not analyze it? Why not use it? Why not get ahead of things?